Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. In the book, Thy Kingdom Come, we talk a great deal about historical events. We talk uh, quite a bit about the meaning of words. Uh, the same is true in the book, The Covenants of the Gods. Uh, the meaning of words is how the devil gets his greatest influence, the adversary of God, the adversary of Christ, Satan, whatever you want to call him. He makes his greatest uh, inroads into deceiving man through the use of words. So that's one of the reasons we always are going back and looking at words. But we also look at history because words are a way of communicating from one man to the next in the context of the time in which we live. If we're talking about the past, that's another time. We can't change the past, but we can change our view of the past. And tyrants of the world have wanted to do that for centuries. They want you to forget about the days when you were free, when God led you out of Egypt, when Christ set men free at Pentecost. Uh, through the baptism of Christ as king of Judea. Anyone who received the baptism of Christ was set free from the laws that were being imposed upon them by the Pharisees. It wasn't imposed illegally. It was imposed legally because the people had been consenting, making agreements, taking oaths to this government established by the Hasmoneans, by Herod, by a number of people in a steady progression of corruption. We need to understand how that works because we do the same thing today. There has been a progressive change in the relationship of men in America with their government. And as you know, there's a saying here in America that as California goes, so goes the world, <laughs> or so goes the United States. Well, as the United States goes, so goes the world. We have a great deal of influence over the rest of the world, and much of that influence has become negative in the last uh, decade or century because of the fact that we are straying from the precepts and principles of early America. Now, early America, when people came here, they came with all kinds of ideas. All kinds of people came so because of the mystery thing called the family. New children are born, replacing the generation before. And the social structure that you create, the environment in which those children exist, has a great deal of influence over the patterns of behavior that they will begin to follow. When we follow certain patterns of behavior in society, certain structures in society, we are changed by those structures. When Rube Long came out here to the desert where we live and have lived for 30 years, he said men came to change the desert and were changed by it. This is true also of the early Americans who came to America to set up a kingdom of God, to walk away from the world of Babylon and become this other government of God, blessed by God, led by God, based on the precepts of God. The problem was they didn't really know exactly what that was to look like, but they were willing to strive to seek it, and that made a difference. The fact that they came to a fairly unspoiled wilderness where they had to confront the essential facts of life, the fact that they could not survive without personal sacrifice, not only for themselves, but for their neighbor. These are all elements of their environment. They were ways in which they, as a people, began to change the world and be changed by it. It is the grace and temperance of Christ that guides us in the direction of the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God. And so there are several elements as we move in this world that lead us either towards salvation or towards the bondage of sin. Christ came and made his sacrifice so that we might be saved. 
He wants us to forgive our neighbors so that we may be forgiven. We are not merely saved because Christ sacrificed. You can, if you have faith, you will be saved. But if you think you have faith, you will not be saved. If that's all you do is think you have faith. If you, if it's a matter of belief, that's not enough. It has to be a matter of conviction. Because now you have the word belief. Belief is, oh, I believe so-and-so went to the store today. That's what I believe. But that doesn't make it so. That's an idea in my head. But if I, uh, if I have a conviction about something, I am going to be compelled by that belief to follow a certain path. If it's just a thought, it's not really faith. Faith is not merely a thought. It is a action word. It is a conviction. It is an allegiance to an idea. Now, there are bad allegiances and there are good allegiances, and we'll talk about those in other places, but today we'll talk about some of these things that people were confronting in early America. Half the pilgrims died before the first year was out. They struggled to find answers as to why uh, that was. And they were willing to change the way in which they governed themselves in order to survive. It was change or die. That's also true of Israel when it was in bondage in Egypt. It didn't know how to be a free government under God. It had been a enslaved government for hundreds of years. It had been in the bondage of Egypt where a portion of its labor was taken from it every year. Government. That's bondage. If you live in a government like that, you're in bondage. If you do not have the choice as to what you give your government from day to day to sustain your community, you are in bondage. That is where Israel was, or Judea was, at the time Christ had arrived. Been that way for uh, dozens of years. Uh, you know, it had been accentuated under Herod and his system of baptism into the kingdom of heaven. And it was... Uh, already on that road and path from 78 B.C. and 160 B.C., and they had brought in property tax, which was a tax on the use of the land, which would be usury. They had brought in uh, other taxes, uh, sales tax, and they had brought in an income tax upon what you earned every year. And you had to pay it in to the government in order to sustain that government, to sustain your community your nation and this was compelled and it was kept track of by the scribes but christ said wait a minute we're going to do this different we go to our citizens and we say hey how much do you owe based on what you earned and what you should pay in and they say well we owe this much did the same way governments do today and they go to you and they say how much do you owe and you have to fill out a form and send it into the scribes and say, well, this is what I owe. And he said, okay, uh, how much can you pay? Now, the governments of the world don't ask how much you can pay. <laughs> they, they tell you pay. But the government of God says how much can you pay. And you say, I can only pay this much. And they write paid in full. And this is what happened to everybody at the baptism of Christ, because Christ was baptizing people into the kingdom of heaven. And as I said, Herod was baptizing people into the kingdom of heaven. Most people don't know that. It's been well-kept secret. It's divulged in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and books you can read about it. We talk about it in Thy Kingdom Come. But how do you get to the point where a society can sustain itself by charity alone? When society has not lived that way, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, the pilgrims had an advantage when they came here because they understood this concept of charity. They didn't realize how far-reaching it had to go, and the wilderness taught them that lesson. So that 
they they began to understand this and communities everywhere and the men born in those communities and married in those communities and uh, raised their children in those communities were the forefathers of a great nation not the people who signed documents not the people who stood in in great halls and gave big speeches but the actual people who made those sacrifices upon the ground every day necessary to sustain a free community and a free nation. Those were the forefathers of a great nation. The other guys, some of them did some of these same things, made personal sacrifices and such, but it was not paper documents that made this nation great. It was personal sacrifice. It is personal sacrifice that sets men free. Not holidays, flags, We're back again. We had a little technical difficulty (laughs) for a moment. The line was disconnected somehow. Anyway, we're back. We were talking about Patrick Henry, uh, who had uh, made a number of speeches, a great orator, uh, the barefoot lawyer he was known as. Uh, He had made one speech that uh, talks about his... uh, uh, understanding of the natural man to indulge in the illusion of hope we are apt to shut our eyes against the painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts the reality everybody's worried about the beast rising up in uh, in uh, revelation the beast is governments and governments are people and if your government has a beast nature to it, in whatever country you are in, that is the result of the beast nature in every man who hopes that the government will sustain him, give him salvation, protect him, and looks to that government rather than and the precepts of God, which are love and law and faith and hope and charity, patience, forgiveness, Those are the things that will save you because those are the character of Christ. How do you spell Christ? (laughs) Well, you can spell it uh, Messiah because that's what it it means, Messiah, anointed, Christ. But the character of Christ, the name of Jesus, is who he was, what kind of a man he was. If that is the kind of man that we are and seek to be, and strive to be, then what we do, we do in the name of Christ. So if our society does not require the virtues of Christ to sustain itself, those virtues may atrophy from misuse. We need to constantly be striving to be like Christ. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus be a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian? You could vote in Judea. There was a vote in Judea. That's how they picked the Sanhedrin. Who do you think Jesus voted for? Well, evidently, there wasn't too many people that liked Jesus on the Sanhedrin. There were a few. Jesus was teaching you how to govern yourself, sustain yourself as a community without government. Where you are the government and they are not. 
so that when they were cast out at Pentecost because they had received the baptism of Christ instead of Herod, they had a government that organized immediately. Not one that exercised authority one over the other. They were forbidden by Christ's specific instructions to form such a government. They were not immune to that sin of doing it again. If you, if you do those things that Christ said not to do, that Moses said not to do, that the prophets said not to do, you would be snared again in bondage. And to free yourself, you must return to the ways of Christ, not simply jump over the fence, as many men do. They jump over the fence and they say, we're in the king, we're free. We don't have to obey Caesar anymore. We don't have to pay Caesar anymore. But they haven't pursued that government of God, that communion of men and men by charity alone. They have not come together in a network of love to sustain all, not just themselves. Many of the men who do often say, I'm free. They strip naked and run down the street. They often abandon their own families. I have seen it. I could name you people. I would have to take off my shoes to continue to name you people because there are so many like that. Lost their families, lost their homes, lost everything because they did not count the cost as Christ clearly instructed them. There were others who had made some money, some fortune of their own to purchase a house and purchase uh, to set aside gold and, and supplies or whatever. And they come out of the system, they think. But they have not yet entered into the kingdom. Oh, they say they do with their words, but they are not doing what Christ did, which was to be concerned about all the sheep first coming together the edge of the desert and flee they walk the plank and flee they have forgot the precepts of christ of coming together first and going out together sustaining one another as a community because they did not have the true charity of christ they talk about charity but if they really had charity first they would see that all the seats on the lifeboat were filled with as many people as possible before they set to sea. When the Titanic went down, they left. Many of the boats left half full. Half full. Even sometimes less than half full. Some snuck in ahead of others. Children were left behind. Women were left behind. Many men volunteered to stay behind. But why are those boats leaving half full? Selfishness. Selfishness. Not Christ. Selfishness. Patrick Henry, when he rode into Culpeper, Virginia, he saw a man whipped in the streets because he refused to get a license to preach from the government. He said he had a right to preach based on the governing power of God through Christ. Christ had earned him the right to preach already. These men struggled with these ideas for years, for centuries. And here comes a government that says, oh, no, you have to come down to our offices. You have to apply to us to be a minister of Christ. You have to incorporate your church. You have to file a 501c3 uh, letter, a, a 10... 1023, I almost forgot the number, uh, 1023, form with the IRS in order to be a minister of Christ, even though the law actually is on the minister's side that says you do not have to file that, and that contributions are exempt automatically, whether you file it or not, for those people who have an obligation to Caesar. They should be able to deduct those contributions to the government of God. Except for most of the churches are not the government of God. They lull the people into a false sense of salvation when they are actually delivering the people into bondage. God did not send Moses to set men free and then send Christ to bring them back into bondage. Paul was trying to set you free 
If you can be free, choose it rather. But he also knew in order to be free, you may have to strive for a while and be friends with the unrighteous mammon until that time when you can be set free. And if you really have the character of Christ, you will be as concerned about your neighbor's freedom as you are about your own. You will not want to come out of them, my people, until you know who my people are. You will stay there looking for others first so that your lifeboat is full of souls, many souls, as Abraham was when he left Ur. Moses was free, but he came back for a season, put himself in jeopardy for a season so that a whole nation might be free. And Moses and Jesus were in agreement. Peter said, oh, don't go to Jerusalem. He knew the dangers. Jesus was king. There was another king. He wasn't in Jerusalem, but he was—he wanted to be in Jerusalem. <laughs> there was no king in Jerusalem. The government had been divided into three sections. Philip, Antipas, and nobody sat on the throne in Jerusalem. It had been promised to Christ years before. This is evidenced in the Apocrypha. We know it from the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and from other books that have come down through the ages that Herod had promised his kingdom, the third of his kingdom, to the Messiah, the one-third that contained Jerusalem, when the Messiah came. And it would come in his lifetime. He knew. He'd been told this before he even became king. And with Christ. From the beginning. But God made it happen. Man had to strive, seek, struggle become a part of the salvation of Christ. But they didn't think of it as a heavy burden. They thought of it as a light burden because they were convicted by true faith and the love of Christ. They had to learn that. Peter loved Christ, but he denied him. Christ did not judge him because he knew he was going to deny him. Christ loved him. And he repented over and over again Christ loved his men even though he knew they would do wrong but he also knew that they would strive and repent and turn around it's a process and we should all be in that process of moving towards the government of God First on FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts, and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. 
The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Have you seen Loose Change? The most popular documentary in the 911 Truth Movement. With the coming change in government, now is the time to push for justice and get this truth into the hands of millions of Americans. First Amendment Radio is offering both videos, Loose Change and 911 Justice on DVD. We will ship two copies of both videos to you for 10 bucks cash. Yes, two copies, one for you and one for you to give away. You will see and hear Larry Silverstein admit that they decided to pull the building. Why are they not being pursued? The people must know. Justice must be had. The time is now. Two copies of both videos, Loose Change and 911 Justice, for 10 bucks cash. No checks, please. To First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're going to have a retreat this fall, a Feast of Tents. Uh, we would like to invite everybody out here. Uh, there are people all the way back east that are looking to put together uh, caravans and groups that may want to come. The best way to find out about that is in the Living Network, which you can join on the website. Uh, we also have uh, conference calls once a week. Uh, we also have the equipment now to go to talk radio here. Uh, but we haven't got all the wires yet, so we're, hopefully by next week we'll have that, and you'll be able to call in and ask questions. Uh, a good place started, though, is on the Living Network. It's through email. Many of you are already on the net because of the fact that you're even listening to this uh, today. Join that Living Network, pick a contact minister, and become a part of that Seeking the Kingdom. If you want to set yourself free, you need to want to set others free equally. Equally. You must be striving to set them free equally. Otherwise, you may not get the access to the blood of Jesus Christ because your faith is not really in Christ, but an image of Christ created by other men in your own mind. Christ was one who certainly came to sacrifice himself for others. And he said, and Moses said, and God has said from the beginning that we were to love one another as we love ourselves. Even came to So you need to be coming to set others free too. Free from your own wants and desires and ambitions. Uh, you, you shouldn't be out there hiring men to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare or to educate your children or provide health care. You need to start living by faith, hope, and charity and working together as a community in commune, in the communion of Christ. In the, in the desire to give and be thankful for the opportunity of giving. That is thanksgiving thankful for the opportunity to give one to another. That is the Eucharist of Christ. That's what Eucharist means. Thanksgiving. Giving in thanks. Abraham began to realize that when he left Ur. And he also found himself having to leave Haran because Haran was setting up the same kind of system that was in Ur. And before they came to Ur, Abraham had left uh, from the other side of, they say, the flood in the Bible. But it actually was probably northern India that he was leaving. Because there's a valley up there where 
over 20,000 villages emptied out overnight. There was a massive exodus. What was going on there at the time? Well, at the time, there were huge work projects going on within the government, established by the government of that area, through the labor of the people. Instead of building pyramids, they were building dams and irrigation systems. Much as we see in Egypt, they didn't just build pyramids. They built a whole irrigation system, you know, where they had the cataracts that would take the floods of the Nile and spread them out on fields and grow vast amounts of grain and other foods to be exported. The exports brought in more gold and made the nation richer and richer. The richer it got, then it made it its instruments of war, and it began to make war on people all the way to Canaan. At the time that Pharaoh released the Israelites from Egypt, they had an army that was in control all the way across the Sinai into Canaan. Canaan was under the control of the Egyptians. When they left, they only left the persona jurisdiction of Pharaoh. They did not leave the physical jurisdiction of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's government was in uh, a collapse mode because it had overextended itself, and it would eventually collapse and leave the opportunity for the Israelites to come into Canaan and replace the Egyptians amongst the Canaanites so that they provided a government. But their government was different. Their government did not exercise authority one over the other, but depended upon faith, hope, and charity. When the one government collapsed, they needed something else to stabilize society, and this is exactly what Christ was teaching, exactly what Abraham was teaching, exactly what Moses was teaching, is how that other society works. Everybody will be free. Everybody will be free when systems collapse. But everybody will not survive freedom. Therefore, you need to have a body of people already knowing how to sustain themselves as communities and nations without authoritarian governments, without men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And this is what Christ was teaching. And just in the nick of time, because the governments of Judea were collapsing, soon the government of Rome would collapse, and the Christians needed to be in place, which brought a thousand years of reign of the kingdom of God, where men lived on their land and shared with one another. There was a vast system of government in place, well organized from the ground up. No crime for centuries in Europe, with almost no wars for a century in Europe. Yeah, there were wars, there were skirmishes around, but nothing like, you know, we think of war like, okay, like World War II, World War One, or these massive invasions. I mean, the kings were hiding in their castles for a thousand years, the men who wanted to be kings. They could not defeat the freedom in the hearts of the people. And they were driven back to their castles every year. And and many years they didn't even try to come out. Because the people had learned a different kind of government. Which you will not learn about in public schools today. Although there are some men beginning to write about this. Abraham was uncivilized when he left Haran. He appeared to have no government whatsoever. Was a Hebrew wanderer in the wilderness. Yet, when Sodom and Gomorrah were overrun by five kings who were going around conquering one city-state after another because they had organized from the top down and built their instruments of war and were making war upon the people, the other city-states that had built themselves like Haran, like Ur, uh, where the people actually indulged in taking bites out of one another, through the system of government that they have created for themselves and become weak because of it. Remember, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was in a time of affluence. They did not strengthen the poor, so saith the Bible. That leads to other forms of corruption and sin and self-indulgence that are symptoms of the original sin 
which they are not living according to the character of God, the, the leading of God. The, they are not walking with God. They are going out of the presence of God and creating a government contrary to the way that God wants you to live together in faith, hope, and charity. But when those kings came through and conquered Sodom and took Lot prisoner, overnight, overnight, Abraham was able to muster an army, not only amongst his own people, but amongst his neighbors who were doing very much the same thing because they also understood the way in which God's government worked. And that changed them and allied themselves with Abraham and his way. So overnight, they were able to defeat that enemy. This is what Rome was so afraid of in the Christians. They were so well organized, disciplined as a society, self-disciplined as individuals, loving one another as individuals, taking the time to create the network of Christianity so that you could cast out all the Christians in Jerusalem and they had a place to go because they were this vast national and international network that would absorb those needy because it was in their nature because in them was the nature of Christ who would take bread and fishes given to him divide them and give them away to others even though they knew he was hungry he would share first if you had all the people who would share first with their neighbor, who cared about their neighbor being in the lifeboat before they got into the lifeboat, if those people would come together, you would have power bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit because in you would be a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. If you are saving yourself, gathering your gold, your silver, your beans, your bacon, and setting up your salvation first, then you know not God. You do not know God. You can tell me you're going to do great things, but I judge a tree by its fruit. That's what we should all do. Who is reaching out to spread the true gospel of the kingdom to all the orphans of this nation who have forgotten their father in heaven and have prayed to their father in the governments they have created for themselves. People want to know, what, what can we do? How do we do this? Come together. <laughs> Care for one another. It's simple. Moses was doing it and Abraham was doing it. Abraham is likely to be the author of the Hindu scripts uh, known as the Arthavedas. It was written by a man by the name of Brahmana. And, of course, Abraham was known as Abram. Brahmana had two wives. One was his half-sister. And the other one was an Egyptian princess. His half-sister, his half-sister was named Sari Vista, named Rivers after her. The woman he also married, the Egyptian princess, was Gahagi. They've named Rivers after her. You can go to India and see those rivers. Is Abraham, Abram, the same as Brahmana? Because Buddha was a Brahmin priest. He was actually a social reformer 400 years before Christ, leading the people back to the ways of Brahmin, Abram. Every religion in the world today can trace it, almost every, I can't say every, there's so many, I couldn't tell you about every one of them, but all the major religions, Christianity, the faith of Abraham, Judaism, Abraham, our father, Muslims, Abraham, Hindus, Buddhists, Brahmana. All go back to the same guy. But what was he doing? What was he doing that made him the man of faith? Was he setting up a government, not based on faith, but forcing the neighbor to take care of one another? Or was he setting up altars of sacrifice, free will sacrifice, where you took your sacrifice to the altar and laid it upon the altar and let go of it? 
That takes faith, you know. There's no guarantee that's going to come back for you. You're casting your bread upon the waters, a precept. I cannot believe that we don't have more religions that go down to the lake and throw bread on the water every morning. Why not make that a ritual? They make all the other rituals. They're burning up animals on altars of stone. Most people don't know in the Hebrew language a gathering of stones is a council of men. Same word. Same word. So were those altars that Abraham was setting up stone altars of dead stone? Because how would that bring hundreds and hundreds of people together overnight to defend the community? How would that help anybody when famine came? How would that help anybody to sustain their community when disaster struck one family over another? The altars were living stones originally. Oh, I know that affects a lot of people. And we're, we've got articles up on it, Sacrifice of Sophistry, and you can go read them. It's covered briefly in the book, Thy Kingdom Come. And I'm trying to get another book written. <laughs> I sent off a little chapter, actually a little section of a chapter to the Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, which I'm working on. I'd be way farther along in that book if it wasn't for the shenanigans of men who think they're in the kingdom and do not, do not even do anything accord, or very little according to the precepts of Christ, the precepts of Moses, and the precepts of Abraham. They sign documents without witness and say, oh, these have the effect of law. They have no witness on the document. Yet, Old and New Testament both tell us you have to sign with two or more witnesses if you create a document to give someone covering that you want to go and do a job. You say, I want you to go and take these funds to the needy over here. And these funds belong to me, but I want you to take this. But I don't want to give you a document that will prevent people from thinking you stole this. I don't want to sign a document that says this is yours to take to the needy before witnesses. I don't want witnesses that I sign this document. I just want you to go naked. <laughs> This is what people are doing, and they don't see it. I hope he's listening. I have given uh, my counsel, shared with other people. I don't give advice. I don't tell people what they have to do. But I share with them where I see the precepts of Christ, the precepts of God, the righteousness of God, and say, you know, this appears to me to be more righteous. And they will either see it too or not. But when they don't see it and they act not in accordance with it and create tremendous problems for themselves and others, they expect me to run and save them and solve their problem and come up with other solutions to fit their desires rather than individual desires. I have to come up with solutions that fit God's desires. I learned a great deal out of this escapade, this boondoggle created by someone who is moving from more selfishness than he realizes. And he needs to repent of that and start doing according to God's plan. Because the evidence of what he's doing is just going to create more problems down the road. And I can see it. And I'm not going to go down that road towards the kingdom. I have helped these people out for years. And they continuously get into trouble after trouble after trouble. And I will not strive with them forever. That's what God said. Uh, we are to dust our, our sandals off and go to those who will receive these simple, basic precepts of God. What you see throughout Abraham's life and what we cover in that second chapter of the book, Thy Kingdom Come, Abraham Uncivilized. He knew that you cannot create a government, a corpus, a corporate government, without investing some of yourself in that government. When you set some of yourself in that government, that government has life breathed into it by you. It becomes a corporation. 
it becomes a living entity because it has no life of its own, absolutely. But you have given it life by breathing your life into it, by giving it some of your blood and flesh. Now, if you create a government that can take the flesh of your neighbor without his day-to-day choice, you have created a beast, a monster, that eventually will become a Frankenstein monster that will take a bite out of you. You are snared by your lust for benefits at the expense of your neighbor. You are snared. You cannot wave the blood of Jesus Christ and make that snare go away. You can turn around and strive and repent and move towards the kingdom. But you cannot instantly teleport yourself to the kingdom. Now, the prodigal son, he'd gone off into another nation and bound himself and repented and left everything behind and came back to his father. And when he was part way back, His father ran out and met him. And, of course, thank God for his mercy, because he will do the same for you. But you've got to turn around. You've got to head back. We don't see the father going to the other nation and reaching in the other nation and plucking out his son. His son needed to change. And before governments will change, men must change. And I can pretty much guarantee the majority will not change. So democracy is pretty much a hopeless Messiah. Again, what do we do? Come together. Now, you're scattered all over. The bones of the kingdom are are a system, a structure by which men come together in congregation after congregation after congregation and those congregations are as interested in coming together as others and the ministers of those congregations are living stones upon whom you should lay your sacrifice and when you give your sacrifice to them for the community they should turn around and use that for your local community we have gone away from that We have made covenants, contracts, and constitutions and bound ourselves because we were greedy for gain and the net was spread before us and we are trapped in that net and what should have been for our welfare has become a snare. And we need to start taking those steps of faith. Little steps. We need to make our voices heard loudly upon the world that oh my gosh we have not been living by faith open charity we've been sitting in our churches singing about christ as king making other men's king praying to other men for our benefits and thinking that the kingdom of heaven is for the dead and not for the living any of you who have studied the bible know i'm just quoting one after another out of the bible The kingdom of heaven does not come through observation, but by those who doeth the will of the Father. And what is the will of the Father? It's to love one another. As you love yourself, as God has loved you. To tend to the weightier matters of law. Law. That's what Jesus lists first. Justice. Mercy. And faith. Because you won't be able to do the other three without faith. In what? Faith in an idea? Faith in an image? Faith in a concept? Faith in the character of Christ? Patience, love, long-suffering, charity. Living by hope instead of by forcing your neighbor. Until John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven was by force. John the Baptist said, no, but by charity. Neighbor has no coat. You have something to share, share. Simple. That's it. That's the kingdom. Now, how do you do that efficiently? Come together. Do you do a roll count 
every uh, time your church of 500 meets and you say, okay, everybody here, yeah. Uh, is somebody missing? Nobody knows. You got a different guy in the pew next to you every every week. Nobody knows. Now in the church that we meet in, we know. <laughs> we know if you don't show up for mail. <laughs> uh, you you can't you can't do. It. We had a, a fellow with old Alzheimer's, old timers as they call out here, and he would get in his car and start get lost and drive away. People would be watching. Oh, there he goes. Okay, and they'd be calling each other. <laughs> so and they'd cut him off. And, and then help them get back home again. <laughs> but we can do that out here because we have a small community and we can keep track of one another. But in large cities, you cannot. And and even out in the country, how do we keep track of other people in other communities? Over in Silver Lake, how do I know what's happening over in Silver Lake? Well, hey, got connection. That's what your ministers are. Now, they're not doing here what they need to do, which is return to the kingdom of heaven, but they are beginning to see it little bit by little because I'm preaching it locally. But we need to have people preaching it locally where you are, and that's why we create a network so that everyone can be a part of a return to the salvation of Christ so that the blood of Christ can cover them as they strive to seek the kingdom of God at hand. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, Please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.